Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 2, Jessica I versus Cynthia Calvillo. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. Cynthia Calvillo moving up a weight class to fight the number one contender. And interestingly enough, Shaq, this is the first main event in a long time where it's literally a dead pick at the sports book right now. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of fans were complaining about this main event. And, you know, I see where they're coming from for sure. It's not, you know, the typical main event that we that we usually get blessed with. But, hey, man, it's still a good fight. Jessica, she's fought for the title before Calvillo. You know, she's coming off that draw with Marina. And, you know, she's always been a top talent. So, you know, it's a, it's a good fight. And also on the card, they got Andre Feely taking on Charles Jourdain, which is a very exciting fight. Obviously, Andre Feely's been doing his thing. And Charles Jourdain coming off a very impressive knockout over Duho Choi, and also the co-main event. I mean, these guys broke the internet with Marvin Vittori going crazy in the hotel lobby. Now they're blessed with a co-main event, and even though these fights are kind of flying under the radar, should still be a pretty entertaining night of fight, Shaq. Yeah, 100%, man. I know uh, a lot of these guys don't have the name value, but, hey, they're still trying to trying to make a name for themselves. Some jobs are on the line, and I think it's going to be a solid card. Well, Shaq, let's get right down to business because first up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Anthony Ivey. He's 8-2, and two, and Christian Aguilera is 13-6. and six. Currently, they got Anthony Ivey minus 185. The comeback on Christian Aguilera is plus 160. Well, Shaq, this is a fight that could totally be – you know, an NFC main event. This is, you know, two regional guys making their UFC debut. And Anthony Ivey was actually supposed to fight Gerald Mershart last week up a weight class on short notice. And I actually think that would have been kind of a back-and-forth fight because Anthony Ivey, look, he's very long, he's athletic, but he's very hell-bent on getting that takedown. Sometimes it's not the prettiest the way he sets it up, but when he gets on top, very heavy, and uh, he can finish fights. And with Christian Aguilera, very experienced guy from the regional scene, you know, he's a big muscle head, and, and he's kind of a bully. What I mean by that is he can come out hard, he can get those knockouts, he can take people down, but if he starts to gas out a little bit, I've seen journeymen go out there and backpack him before, which is something that I know Anthony Ivey wants to do. Not to mention that Christian's chin is a little bit suspect. He's been knocked out four times. So I do lean with the favorite Anthony Ivey here. But at the betting window, you know, I, I've seen some valid arguments for Christian Aguilera here. He's the more experienced guy. But I, I'm going to kind of, you know, judge this fight based off who I think has the higher ceiling and who, who I think has some stylistic advantages. So I'm going to lean towards the favorite Ivy here. But we'll see what happens, Shaq. Yeah, I think this is a, a good fight to open the card. Uh, you know, Ivy, he's a, a jiu-jitsu guy. I think he trains at Brazilian top team in, down there in Texas. And then you got a... Aguilera, who you kind of said is kind of a journeyman, you know, he's been knocked out by Matt Sales on the local scene at 155, but it does seem like uh, at 170, maybe he's finding his groove a little bit. Um, you know, I feel like Aguilera is definitely the, the better guy on the feet. Ivy, man, I thought his footwork was really bad. Uh, like you said, is some of those takedown attempts uh, weren't very good, but man, when he did get the fight to the ground, he definitely took care of business. And Aguilera, I've seen him fight black belts. He ended up knocking them out, but you know, uh, they did take his back for a, a significant amount of time. So I think that this fight could possibly play out closer than the line indicates. I think Aguilera, although he has been knocked out by some of these uh, guys that I mentioned before, he does have a lot of punching power. And I, I think he's better on the feet than Ivy, but, you know, Ivy's obviously better on the mat. So, you know, I, yeah, 
I think I slightly lean uh, Ivy, but from a betting perspective, I think it's dog or pass. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a rematch between Jordan Griffin. He's 18 and seven. And Derek Minner is 24 and 11. Currently, they got Jordan Griffin minus 175. The comeback on Derek Minner is plus 155. Well, Shaq, these two are running it back. Uh, the first time they fought back in the regional scene was really back and forth. You know, Derek Minner had some good moments, eventually got caught in an armbar during some kind of cheeky scramble. I think that Derek might have been attacking with a calf slicer. But, yeah, it was very back and forth. And, Shaq, what's interesting about this fight, man, is that Derek Minner kind of reminds me of Tim Elliott a little bit. You know, he's one of these guys that's going to come out here, get a couple takedowns, but he's so hell-bent on it. He might run himself into the ground and then get tapped out. I mean, he's been finished 10 times. And with Jordan Griffin, he's a guy that gets dominated the second the fight starts, but he's able to find that opportunistic finish along the way. I mean, is this fight kind of going to go how the first one went down, or do you think this time Derek Minner can come out here, get his first UFC win, and avenge the loss? Yeah, you know, Jordan Griffin, he had those those tough uh, first two fights against Skelly and Ige, and, you know, he won rounds in both those fights. And then the T.J. Brown fight, kind of like what you just said, he was getting dominated. And then he was able to choke a guy out from bottom side control. So we know that this guy, Griffin, is kind of kind of madness, man. He uh, His fights are crazy. And same with Minner, man. Minner, man, he comes out super hard. He, he throws bombs. I know you remember that Herbert Burns fight where he tried to he try, he tried to knock Herbert out, but it just uh, Herbert Burns is too good. He was able to get that... Uh, that triangle from the bottom. But man, it's a, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of action on Minner. I think he opened like plus 170. Now he's like plus, uh, what is he now? Plus 155. At least back and forth action. You know, I, I lean with Griffin here, man. I think that Minner is just kind of out of control. Not saying that Griffin isn't, but man, every fight I've seen a Minner, like it's either he comes out and finishes finishes you in the first round how many first i think he's got a bunch of first round finishes and i think that griffin is a little too savvy for that of course he fights with his hands down and he and he gets taken down pretty much every time but i think he'll be able to outlast minner minner every time he gets into those late rounds he ends up getting submitted or, or knocked out so you know i'm gonna take uh jordan griffin here by third round submission you know odds makers actually open griffin around the minus 240 range so there might be some value on him here, but it's a situation where you're going to have to pay a favorite price for a potential comeback win. You know what I mean? Uh, the guy's known for getting dominated and then coming back, but on the flip side, Derek's known for, you know, running himself into the ground. So I think Derek's going to get some takedowns, but somewhere along the way, Griffin's going to catch him. Look, I know Griffin's known for, you know, uh, between you and me, he's known for not really training that hard and not showing up at the gym. But for whatever reason, he's very opportunistic when he gets out there inside the UFC's octagon. And I think you'll make something happen late in this fight. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Tyson Nam. He's 18 and 11 and Zaruk Adeshev is three and one. Currently, they got Tyson Nam minus 125. The comeback on Zaruk Adeshev is plus 105. Well, Shaq, this is interesting because initially I was like, what 3-1 and one guy is going to win a fight in the UFC's octagon, right? But but then I looked into Zaruk Adeshev, and I think that 3-1 and one is a little bit misleading, man, you know, because... Uh, Firstly, so I heard about this glory kickboxing background he had. And, you know, right away when I hear about the glory background, I'm like, yeah, okay, I've heard that before, right? Uh, but w with this guy, you know, he actually went 16 and 3. 
in glory. So I was like, okay, so he's probably he's probably got some striking chops. How's his grappling? But then I watched his three Bellator fights, and he's the one out there taking these guys down at will. So he's a very talented prospect, man. Now it's just uh, about the seasoning and the experience transitioning into MMA. But I like what I've seen, and I'll already go ahead and say I think he's got a higher ceiling than Tyson Nam. And and what we know about Nam is that he's a Hawaiian warrior. He comes to fight. He's durable. And he's one of those guys that kind of reminds me of Sukumta a little bit. And what I mean by that is he hits like an absolute truck, but he doesn't actually have the highest output that you'd expect. He's more of a counter guy. But when he finally decides to throw his hands, he can knock people out. I mean, as evidence, he knocked out Ali Bagautinov. He knocked out Eduardo Dantas back in the day. Those are some big wins. So, I mean, the guy is definitely experienced. Um, I, I think Zarouk is the more talented guy here, and I think that if he doesn't get caught or, you know, taken down and held down, that he can actually come out here and outpoint Tyson Nam just based on the merit that he throws more, and he's definitely the more talented guy. But it's going to be a sweat because that experience definitely counts for something. And Tyson hits really damn hard. But uh, overall, I actually do think the dog is the better fighter here. We'll see what kind of shape he is on this short notice, but... Yeah, I, I, I'm actually lean. I never thought I'd say this. I'm going to lean with uh, Zaruk Adeshev in this spot, Shaq. I think Zaruk Adeshev is a, a bright prospect. He's got a bright future, the kickboxing background. And Tyson M, let's just be honest here, he's a journeyman. And he's, uh, you know, he's got some good wins, but he's also had some um, some losing streaks in his career. Like, um, I mean, he's definitely had his, his fair share of setbacks. Uh, and he's on the tail end of his career. It's just for, for one, this guy, Adeshev, you know, I know he's a, a kickboxer and all, but look at the competition level, man. It's real low. I think two of those people didn't even have a win. The last one, that guy sucked, let's just be honest. But, hey, man, I think he's got skills. But to be honest, man, I think the value is actually on Tyson Nam. I think that, you know, when I say that, be careful just because he is on the tail end of his career. But I think that, you know, in some of these fights that I'm seeing with Adeshev, you know, he's getting he's getting off on these five, six, seven punch combinations against these guys that just quite honestly just don't have the skills, man. So I think Tyson Nam should be able to come out here, take this guy down, whether an early storm and, and kind of just give him the vet lesson here. I think, you know, the Benoit fight was a little tougher, but uh, I actually think Tyson Nam's going to get the win here. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Julia Avila, she's 7-1, and one, and Gina Mazzani is 6-3. and three. Currently, they got Julia Avila, minus 600. The comeback on Gina Mazzani is plus 450. Well, Shaq, uh, listen, I've obviously been more impressed with Julia Avila. I, I, I just wasn't exactly sure about uh, minus 600, but, I mean, I'm definitely leading her here. Uh, at, at this price, is there any value on Gina Mazzani at plus 450? Yeah, no, nah, you know, Gina Mazzani's a nice girl, but I think, you know, we, we know the deal here. Uh, I mean, Avila, she's actually a little bit more on the greener side for me, but I actually did better her last fight against uh, Kianza. She's got a lot of punching power. I think she dropped Kianza maybe twice, twice in that fight. She's got a good clinch game, too. Uh, you know, Mazzani is just, I mean, you know. I think, yeah, I mean, more than likely, it's a, a guaranteed win for uh, Avila. She hits harder. She's better in the clinch. Mazzani gasses out a lot. Uh, but, you know, maybe, I think Mazzani maybe goes the distance, you know. You know, so, but I got Julia Avila by 30-27. Uh, you know, I'll give Gina Mazzani a lot of credit because I don't know if you all saw her UFC debut against Sarah McMahon, but uh, from that person compared to the one that went the distance with Lena Landsberg, it's uh, 
it's a completely different person. You know, she's definitely put in work. So I got to give her a lot of credit because the fight with uh, Sarah McMahon, I was like, yo, this this person ain't going to last in the UFC. And I even bet on uh, Wu Yanan against her. And she actually went out there and won that fight. So I, I, I was impressed. But that being said, I'm way more impressed with Julia Avila. And I actually see, you know, top 15 potential with Julia Avila. She throws big bombs. She can mix in the takedown. She's got a good mind for the game. So... You know, I'm not going to make a big case for the minus 600 favorite here, but uh, I definitely favor her to win, and I, and I think she does get the dub. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Charles Rosa, he's 12-4, and four, and Kevin Aguilar is 17-3. and three. Currently, they got Kevin Aguilar minus 190. The comeback on Charles Rosa is plus 165. Well, Shaq, uh, both these guys coming off uh, less than spectacular results in their last fights. I know they're hungry to get back in the win column uh, with uh, – with Charles Rosa, he fought not too long ago. Now, he got dominated by Bryce Mitchell in a way where every single round was a 10-8. So I'm very curious to see how his confidence is coming into this fight. Now, granted, he didn't take a lot of head strikes in that one. He got dominated on the mat, which I'm not entirely sure that Aguilar is trying to do. But the point is the confidence. How, how does he feel after knowing that he didn't even have a single second of success in that 15-minute span? But with uh, Aguilar, you know, got knocked out his last fight against Tukugov, got beat down against Dan Ige, so he needs to get back on track too. Which way are you leaning in this one, man? Yeah, this is another interesting fight. You know, uh, I think Aguilar opened up the slight favorite. And uh, I see a lot of Aguilar action this week. And look, you know, he, he definitely got, he's definitely the more powerful guy. He's you know, got slightly better fundamentals. Uh, Rosa, you know, has a lot of volume. He likes to throw a lot of side kicks and spins and things that kind of really don't have much steam on it, but, you know, it's a lot in volume. You know, Aguilar, man, I feel like he was very, very overrated, man. I I, I kind of thought this before his last fight. You know, I think that he had that very nice record, but, man, a lot of those fights were sloppy, sloppy brawls that, you know, they were fun when he was winning them, but, man, I, I really do feel like they're starting to catch up with him. And uh, Rosa, on the other hand, kind of the same thing with the injuries. He's had been out for so long uh, after that Burgos fight. You know, he was able to come back and get that win against Manny, but, you know, Manny, Manny's uh, went completely off the deep end. So I think that both these guys are on their way out, to be honest. You know, obviously, you know, I slightly lean Aguilar just because he has the power. But I, just think about the type of guy Aguilar is to, like, trust him out of line like this. Like, he's a – let's just be honest here. He's a punching bag. He gets clipped a lot. His takedown defense is good. But it just, you know, he gets hit a lot, man. I know he beat Rick Glenn, but, man, Rick Glenn's one of these guys that, you know, on the given day, you know, he missed way for that fight and – on the given day, he can look like somebody on the local scene, man. So I think that we kind of gave Kevin Aguilar a little bit too much credit. And he did beat Barzola as well. But I think his best days are behind him. So I'd be very careful. But I'll, I'll, I'll pick him for the win. Yeah, look, Aguilar is definitely the stronger guy. He hits like a truck. He's got good takedown defense. But like you said, he takes too many clean ones. And, I mean, that's 100% true. The stats back that up, too. He's got a negative strike-absorbs ratio, which means that he eats more strikes than he lands. And... I don't like that, man. I mean, against, you know, here with Rosa, Rosa ain't exactly known for his power punching, so it shouldn't be too big of an issue. But at the same time, Rosa throws one of those heel kicks, and it might not even matter uh, how soft he throws. It might put down a guy like Kevin Aguilar. But, man, I do think that on the feet, 
Aguilar's going to have a big edge. He's going to be landing with more power. It's just that Rosa's got a way of, you know, kind of bullshitting these decisions. You know, he kind of reminds me of Elias a little bit, throws mad volume. He twirls. He does the whole bit. And on the mat, he's got a black belt too. And I and I know we can point back to his last fight and say, what black belt? Well, listen, jujitsu saves lives. And let me let me explain what I mean by that. A lot of other people would have got finished against Bryce Mitchell. The fact that he survived speaks volumes to his black belt. It's just he doesn't have the athleticism to act, to go out there and be dominant, but at least he can survive a spot like that. And even against Manny Bermudez, he was getting absolutely smashed by Bermudez, but that jiu-jitsu came in handy. It saved his life, and he got that sub. In this spot, it, it, it's going to be a really tough fight, and I think that physically speaking – Aguilar's got the edges here. It's just about trusting Aguilar. You know, can you come out here and not do something stupid? You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I, I'm leaning Kevin as well. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between the newcomer Maria Agapova. She's eight and one, and Hannah Cyphers is ten and five. Currently, they got Maria Agapova minus three twenty-five. The comeback on Hannah Cyphers is plus two sixty-five. Well, Shaka, this line's gotten a little bit out there, man. I mean, Maria Agapova opened minus one sixty, and I kind of lean her way as well. But now that we're talking minus three twenty-five, I mean, do you think this is accurate, or is there in fact a value on the underdog here? Yeah, man, this is another one where Agapova, you know. I, I kind of feel like she's overrated as well. You know, I know Cyphers. Cyphers is a, ca a case of poor management. You know, the fights that she's taking are just, you know, kind of, you know, she took the McKenzie fight. She actually looked pretty good for uh, before that leg lock. But then uh, then we got this fight where, you know, she's moving up a, a weight and Hannah's like 5'1", man. So it's like, and she's fighting a girl who, Agapova, how tall is she like? 5'6", five, 5'7". Yeah, five six, five seven. Who's definitely got the height and reach on her. So Hannah's kind of putting herself at disadvantage, or, or you know, her, her team is. I, you know, I don't know what the deal is. Um, Agapova, man, I really wasn't that impressed, man. I think she's long. I think yeah, potentially down the line. I see she's at a uh, eighteen ATT now. So you know, I think uh, you know, possibly she looks more improved. You know, maybe she looks more seasoned. You know, that fight with Tracy Cortez, she was able to. Uh, land some shots on the feet, but Tracy Cortez isn't the best striker. You know, uh, Tracy Cortez's boxing needs a little bit more work. So, uh, and she kind of got dominated in that fight too, man. So, you know, I'll pick Agapova. I think she's longer. I think she can stay at range and Hannah necessarily doesn't really shoot for the takedowns. And like I said, I feel like Hannah's team is just putting her at disadvantage with these, with these fights that she's taking. Uh, but I'll take Agapova by a, a tough, close decision. Yeah, look, at the original betting line, I leaned Agapova for the length, the output. You know, she's one of these volume strikers. She's very confident. Uh, comes from Kazakhstan, I believe. Uh, and, and, you know, it's funny because in, in that Contender Series fight, like you said, she got dominated in a way where we were like, yeah, we're probably not going to see this chick again. But, man, she went back to the regional scene, got two uh, impressive first-round stoppages. Now they, they gave her the call back. And with Hannah Cyphers, we already know the deal. She hits pretty hard. One of the only women that has multiple knockouts on her record. You know, shout out to her NFC vet. We like Hannah Cyphers, but uh, she is kind of small. She was small for her original weight class. Now moving up a, a class, she's going to she's gonna be outsized. But for the duration that this fight stays standing, you know, she does hit hard. She just got to watch out for the volume and the length of Agapova. And then if the fight hits the mat, Cyphers looks kind of clueless on the mat. So... Yeah, um, I do lean towards the favorite, but at the current line, I, I do think it's a dogger pass situation. 
Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Jordan Espinoza. He's 14-7, and seven, and Mark De La Rosa is 11-4. and four. Currently, they got Jordan Espinoza minus 165. The comeback on Mark De La Rosa is plus 145. Well, Shaq, both these guys desperately need a win. Uh, I, I know we successfully faded Mark De La Rosa with Holly and Paiva, but the thing is, can you trust a guy like Jordan Espinoza to get the job done too? Yeah, this fight's kind of kind of kind of like Aguilar and Rosa to me in, in a way because you know I feel like De La Rosa is kind of I think he's a tough kid. Don't get me wrong. Like in the competition level that he's been fighting, you know, I think he's just kind of been in over that De La Rosa has been in over his head with these matchups like Paiva, France, and and uh, Alex Perez. And Espinosa fought Perez as well. The Schnell fight, his last two fights, I think, to combine have been, like, less than, you know, around for sure. Um, but I feel like Espinosa's the better athlete, faster, sharper on the hands, the kicks. He fights with his hands down. Uh, my big concern is his ground game. I, I'm kind of concerned, like, this, I know he won it by submission on the contender series after he dropped a guy, but, man, when these two guys have gotten on top of him, or or uh, Schnell wasn't on top of him, but when they got in grappling situations, man, they completely dominated him, dominated him and De La Rosa is a, is a black belt. I feel like De La Rosa can use forward pressure, you know, possibly his job's on the line. And Espinosa does fight with his hands down if this gets extended, but I do feel like Espinosa can get off to an early lead with the footwork and the and the speed early on, maybe even get a possible knockout. Uh, it's just trusting him at that line. It's like, you know, this Eric Shelton fight, I definitely thought he got the job done, but it was definitely nothing impressive. He kind of just stuck the jab out there and avoided some big haymakers every now and then when Eric Shelton threw. So, you know, I feel like both these guys are kind of on the on the, on the the low totem pole in the flyweight division. Eileen Espinosa, I feel like he's more dangerous, faster, sharper on the striking, but his ground game does worry me. I just feel like De La Rosa is kind of almost harmless, man. Uh, he just... I don't know. He just doesn't seem to be very confident, but maybe maybe he is in this matchup. Uh, this one's more doable. His job's on the line, so we'll see. But I'll take Espinosa. But from a betting perspective, it's another one of those things where I'd be careful on. Uh, I mean, even if you took a shot on De La Rosa, I don't think it's uh, a bad thing either. So this fight's interesting, man, because it's like I feel like Jordan Espinosa has so much potential athletically speaking and physically speaking, but sometimes the mental gets in the way a little bit. Like, for example, when he starts off these fights, I love the way Jordan Espinosa starts out with that crazy footwork, the side-to-side, the in-and-out, and he's got insane speed for that weight class, man. It's just that when the fights settle in, sometimes he stops fighting a little bit. Like, in that Riley Dutra fight on Contender Series, the way it starts, I'm like, yes, Espinosa, but then by that second round, he's kind of just backing up and not throwing at all, and I'm like, dude, please throw. I wish he could maintain that pace for all three rounds, even though he has won decisions before. It's just that if you're willing to get into a dogfight with him, that's where he does not uh, excel. He does not like the good old-fashioned dogfight, and that's exactly what Mark De La Rosa is going to have to do in this spot because Mark De La Rosa tries to have a you know, just a back, you know, a kind of a you go, I go technical bout. He's going to get outpointed here. And just just, just based off the speed that Espinosa brings to the table, the athleticism. But, man, if 
De La Rosa can get past the early going, turn this into that dogfight, you know, maybe find a sub along the way or hit him with some hard shots. He definitely has a path to victory, but I, I do have the favorite here, man. That speed does count for a lot in my eyes, and I don't think that De La Rosa has the takedown ability of an Alex Perez. And, and I don't really think he's got the punching power to make a – you know, Espinoza shoot that bad shot, even though for some reason Espinoza loves shooting bad shots out of nowhere. I mean, you saw that Shelton fight, even that contender series fight. I don't know why he likes to do it. I hope he doesn't do it here because he might get guillotined. But if that doesn't happen, man, I do have to favor Espinoza for the long-term battle, man. I think he's got more potential. But we'll see what happens. Both these guys are highly motivated. I heard De La Rosa actually went up to do uh, this fight in California at Timo Yama with Cheeto Vera and Alex Perez, you know. So when you're training with former opponents that have beat you, that's a, that's a good sign. That means you're trying to improve, you're trying to learn. But I'm still leaning with Espinosa here, but, but we'll see what happens on Saturday night. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Andre Touchy Feely, he's 20-7, and seven, and Charles Air Jordan is 10-2. and two. Currently, they got... Andre Feely, minus 235. The comeback on Charles Jordan is plus 195. Well, Shaq, Charles Jordan's impressed a lot of people. You know, he went the distance with Des Green in his UFC debut. He knocked out Duho Choi in his subsequent appearance. Uh, he's the former TKO featherweight and uh, lightweight champion. You know, he's the champ champ over there in Canada. So he's been doing his thing. He's a very exciting striker, but this is the biggest step up in competition he's ever faced uh, in his life. Do you think he passes the Andre Feely test on Saturday night? Yeah, you know, I feel like both these guys had a good showing their last fight. I know Philly lost his fight with Sadiq Yusuf, but I actually thought it was one of his better better performances in Jordan. He was able to get that win in South Korea against Duho Choi. Look, I think Jordan's an entertaining, you know, young guy with a, with a bright future, and I think he'll be in the UFC featherweight division for a long time. But I think, you know... Some people are just slightly over, you know, inflating this win that he had. I think that Duho Choi, man, is completely shot, completely washed. I mean, watch that Cub Swanson fight again, man. Tell me how many times he hit the deck, you know. Uh, then we saw the the following fight against Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens, I can't remember how many times I saw his head get bounced off the canvas. And, you know, uh, then we see the fight with Jordan. I mean, jo Duho Choi, this guy doesn't know how to stick the jab out there. He doesn't know how to throw the right high kick out there or shoot the double. All he knows is knockout, and he just goes into the pocket recklessly, man, and with his chin straight up in the air. And he's got no chin in the first place, man. I think Andre Philly is a much more seasoned fighter, a much more experienced fighter, and just a better fighter than Charles Jordan. I think Jordan was getting, I don't want to say dominated, but, you know, I think that Duho Choi makes... Big, big mistakes in the striking, man. I feel like Philly's just going to come out here, do what he does, stick the jab out there, you know, mix in a right hand. You know, I see Jordan likes to dart in with these big leaps in with these with these air attacks. I feel like it's prime for a double leg by Andre Philly as well. He took down Sadiq, you know, more than two, two or three times. So, you know, I feel like Andre Philly's going to come out here and do what he does when he fights these lower level guys and, and come out here and get a, a nice unanimous decision victory. So I'm going to go with Andre Philly. You know, even though Andre Philly's had some mixed results i would say that this is the best version of him we've ever seen the guy's truly in his prime he's firing on all cylinders and he's got a very well-rounded mma attack i mean we know him for his long striking he loves to pump that jab out there he's gotten head kick knockouts multiple ones at that you know against shaman morais and against gabriel benitez but what, what about his wrestling i've seen him go out there and blast double d1 wrestlers too so he's, he's the complete package 
Also very long for the weight class. And with Air Jordan, I like this kid. You know, he's very exciting. He comes to fight. He goes forward the whole time. Throws a lot of flying knees, the spins. And, and his technical attacks ain't bad either. You know, he's a little small for the weight class. But the guy, uh, he definitely comes to fight and he's tough as nails. And with Feely, man, it's one of those situations where he's got to come out here and not necessarily play it safe because I do think he can show out. But, you know, you just got to be careful of uh, – the, the stuff that Jordan brings to the table. Look, a lot of people would consider it low percentage moves, but the thing is that Jordan throws these techniques over and over again. He'll throw multiple flying knees. He'll throw multiple spins. And actually, if you go back and you watch that fight between Andre Feely and Miles Jury, he actually got dropped with a spinning back fist. So uh, all I'm saying is Feely's got to be careful here. You know, don't don't get dropped with anything dumb. You know, don't, don't make any unnecessary mistakes. Don't give this young kid a chance to compete with you. And Feely should run away with this one. You know, Feely looks so impressive against uh, Sodiq Youssef. He won the first couple minutes of the first round. You know, he gave up that first round with that Kimura sweep, but he was doing good in the early going. And then he went out there and won the third round. So he's won minutes off of Sodiq Youssef before. That That's very impressive in my book. And you look at the guy's resume, you look at who he's been in there with. I mean, he was fighting Max Holloway in his second ever UFC fight. He's so experienced. But look, you got to give Jordan credit. The dude can crack. The dude comes to fight. He's he's fun to watch. Uh, he's got that spirit about him. He's youth. He's youthful. Uh, I, I like Air Jordan a lot. You know, I think we're gonna see some bright things out of him. But right here, right now, I do think it's a little bit too much too soon. But it's gonna be a good test to find out where uh, Jordan's really at. You know, if he passes this test, you know it's gonna be big fights from here on out. It's already been big fights. Des Green and Duo Choi now Andre Feely. So the kid's been doing his thing, but. Yeah, I, I do think that Andre Feely kind of gives him the vet lesson a little bit, mixing, mixes in those double legs, holds him down, outpoints him with that jab, the long strike. So, yeah, I'm leaning with the favorite Andre Feely too. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Marab Dewalish-Wheely. He's 10-4. and four, And the former Combate Bantamweight champion, Gustavo Lopez, is 11-4. and four. Currently, they got Marab Dewalish-Wheely, minus 780, the comeback on Gustavo Lopez is plus 460. Well, Shaq, this is interesting because Marab's known for going out here and dominating these guys uh, for three straight rounds and racking up some of the most takedowns in Bantamweight history. I believe he actually does hold the record for the most ban uh, for the most takedowns landed in Bantamweight history. Do you think he uh, adds to that record here, or do you think this could actually be the first uh, finish in uh, Marab's UFC career? Yeah, man, the machine. I think the machine's the real deal. You know, I know he's a little slow on the outside, but just the wrestling, that will, that grind, it's just too much for these guys, man. The way he broke Casey Kinney, man, uh, that was very, very impressive. And Casey Kinney's the real deal. Um, and Mirab just kind of imposed his will on him to a point where Casey just couldn't. You know, when, uh, you remember when, it kind of reminded me of when, like, Leon fought Usman. You know how, like, it was a good fight early on, like, you know, the first round was competitive, and then it just got to a point where, like, Leon was like, dude, like, I just can't. He's too strong, you know? And I think that's kind of what happened there, man. I think uh, Marab arguably is a top 15 guy with those takedowns, man. He's gotten – he's getting fights. There's fights where he's getting, like, 11 takedowns. And uh, I know he lost to Ricky Simon, but he got a bunch of takedowns in that fight as well. And Ricky Simon can, can really wrestle, so – you know, I feel like Gustavo Lopez is definitely in, in, in big trouble here. Will he get his first finish? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to say, yeah, I think Marab finally does get his first finish. And they need to they need to hook Marab up with a big opponent after this fight, you know. I want to see him against, you know, someone in the rankings or, you know, 
you know, right outside the rankings. Uh, what about what about my boy Sugar Show? I like the matchup for sure. Uh, I I think that they're gonna try to get you know my boy Sean in there with uh, more strikers, but it's a good fight. But dude, tell tell me this: How is Marab not ranked? You know, some of these guys that are in the rankings right now, it's kind of that seniority deal where they're grandfathered in. Like for example, no disrespect to the former champion Dominic Cruz, a guy that helped build this division. But, you know, he hasn't won a fight since 2016. I kind of don't think he should be ranked. Even John Dodson, I don't agree with being ranked. I think you got to put Marab Dewalish-Wheely in there. He, he's one of the guys that's the future of this division. But that being said, on to this matchup. Look, Gustavo Lopez is no slouch at all. I mean, this guy is the combate uh, bantamweight champion. He's very prideful the way he fights. Uh, you know, he's one of these Latino warriors that goes out there, gives it all he's got, uh, you know, stand and trade until one man falls. Uh, he's won some fights via submission, too. I've seen those arm triangles. I've seen that he's gotten a Von Flute choke before. Uh He's very, very exciting to watch. And, you know, if Marab thinks this is some kind of joke and shoots with his head on the outside, he could get caught with a guillotine. But if that doesn't happen here, Marab's going to set a takedown record on this kid. I mean, Marab's a guy that, you know, the big question is, well, can Gustavo Lopez stuff takedowns? You know, don't, don't even ask me that. A ask me this. Can Ricky Simone and Casey Kenny stuff takedowns? The answer is yes, and it didn't even matter. So even guys with wrestling backgrounds are going out there and getting taken down by Marab Dewalish-Wheely. And now you're telling me a guy on three-day short notice is going to stop it? I just don't think so, and I think the line accurately reflects uh, probably what's going to happen here. So, yeah, I'm going with uh, Marab Dewalish-Wheely as well. Co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We got a matchup between Carl Roberson. He's nine and two, and Marvin Vittori is fourteen and three. Currently, they got Marvin Vittori minus two thirty. The comeback on Carl Roberson is plus one ninety. Shaq, this is interesting because initially, the first time around, it was under two to one. But after everyone saw that footage of Marvin uh, going off at uh, Carl Roberson in the hotel, he was acting kind of emotional. Now we're looking at a minus 230 for Vittori. So I, I got to ask you, is the price a little bit inflated based off that TMZ footage, Shaq? Man, this is a it's a, it's a good fight. You know, the first booking, I think uh, I had Marvin. You know, I said Marvin, I feel like he's got top 15 potential. He, his boxing has definitely improved. I forget He's training at one of these boxing gyms uh, down there in L.A. I forget forget which one it is. Um, but, man, he's definitely – his boxing has been getting better. And Roberson, he, you know, he's been – you know, he kind of had a – I don't want to say a rough stretch, but he kind of didn't live up to expectations, you know, initially. Uh, I mean, he was super hyped up. But, man, I still feel like he's got a lot of potential. He's getting better. Has a win over Wellington Thurman, who – you know, it was the real deal that a lot of people think. And then his last fight against Kopilov, who, you know, he was the underdog in that fight, and he was able to actually get a submission. So Roberson's the real deal, man. I feel like Marvin's the better fighter overall. You know, clinch, jujitsu, boxing, striking, got a tough chin. I mean, Marvin takes KO blows to the dome, no problem. Uh, and this guy's super intense. He likes to make <laughs> he like he likes to make his fights emotional. Uh I mean, let's just put it this way. Marvin Marvin walked up to Omari Akhmedov and called him a bitch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, Marvin gives no gives no fuck. So, you know, uh, man, I feel like Roberson, is, his path to victory is going to be that calf kick. Uh, like like I said, you know, before the first fight, I, there was moments in that Cesar Ferreira fight where, you know, Cesar Ferreira landed like three or four low kicks and Marvin didn't check him at all, man. So, it, Roberson, I definitely know he's going to be on that, but I think Vittori's got a, a boxing advantage in this fight. I know Roberson's got the glory, uh, the glory striking background as well, but 
I feel like Marvin Vittori's striking has gotten a lot better, man. Um, I'm gonna go with Marvin again by a tough, a tough decision. But man, from a betting perspective, I, I do think the line's a little, a little. I don't want to say disrespectful because I, I do think Vittori's the better fighter. But you can't un- underestimate a guy like Roberson, man. He's big. He's strong. I mean, he's a knockout threat. He's tough. He's getting better. Uh, his jiu-jitsu has been getting better. I mean, he went on the ground with uh, Wellington Thurman, who I believe is a black belt as well, and, and was able to get out of some tough spots. But Vittori kind of does put it together a little better. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was able to rise to the occasion here, man. But I, I'll take Vittori. You know, what's interesting, man, is that sometimes in these rebookings, it doesn't always go the way you thought the first fight was going to, you know. Uh, and the fact that Marvin Vittori, he's huge for 185 pounds. He already had a cut weight that first time. Now he's cutting weight, you know, a month later. You know, I, I'm curious for a guy who's historically had some cardio issues. I, I, I'm intrigued to see if in the late rounds that, you know, he's huffing and puffing a bit. And like you said, Carl Roberson, he's definitely been making improvements. And now that, you know, he's healthy going into this bout, I assume he's going to perform better than he would have the first time where he, you know, had to pull out. He was sick. So this is going to be intriguing, man. Uh, I I still do lean towards Vittori because I also believe that he's the more well-rounded guy. You know, we've seen Carl Roberson make a lot of bonehead mistakes on the mat. Now, granted, Glover Teixeira and Cesar Mutanchi are serious black belts, and you saw... Roberson be able to survive some very bad spots against Wellington Terman. So maybe that's a sign that he's heading in the right direction. He's patching up all areas of his game. But here with uh, Vittori, Vittori is the more well-rounded guy in the sense that he can stand and bang with very good kickboxers, but he can also go out there mixing the takedowns and possibly look for the sub too. So I am leaning uh, Vittori, but I kind of thought it was more accurately lined the first time. Now, now I think it's getting a little bit out there and it is a dogger pass situation this time, but, uh, I still am kind of leaning towards the favorite Vittori here. Main event of the evening in the flyweight division. We got a matchup between the former number one contender or the current number one contender, actually, Jessica I. She's 15 and 7. And Cynthia Calvillo is 8 1 and 1. Currently, they got Jessica I minus 110 and Cynthia Calvillo is minus 110. So, Shaq, it's a dead pick 'em. And this is interesting because with Jessica I, for some reason, I pick against her a lot, and she's been proving me wrong at this weight class, man. She's been going out there and doing these, doing her thing. Uh, you know, she she can kind of bully these girls, kind of outlast them a little bit. The thing is that she does get taken down a lot, and with Cynthia Calvillo, she only needs one takedown to either finish a fight or to, you know, make an emphatic statement and win a round dominantly. So that's what makes this fight so intriguing to me, man. So which which way are you leaning uh, in this main event Saturday? Yeah, man. Uh, this is a very even fight. You know, Calvillo, I know she's coming up from 115. But like you said, she's got that ground game that was able to get her the draw against uh, Marina Rodriguez. And I, you know, I, man, I feel like she leaves her chin right up in the air. Uh, but man, she is fast, you know, for, you know, fast for that division. She is sharp with the, with the kicks and she, she just, I'll say, uh, she's kind of just more experienced than these girls, man. It just kind of seems like she's just, you know, she beats them to the punch. She's just very vet savvy. If I, the best way I could, uh, describe it, you know, she has been taken down, but man, she showed, uh, against Arujo, who I think is a world champion black belt, if I'm not mistaken, that, uh, that she can, she got the jujitsu to get back up to her feet. She, I mean, she beat Chukagian, which is a, a big, big statement in that division. 
Calvillo, I'm interested to see how she looks with these 10 pounds. I mean, she did she did miss weight for like two of her last three or three of her last four um, at 115. And uh, boxing-wise, I kind of feel like Calvillo is a very good point fighter. Like, she knows how to to maneuver around in there. She knows what she's doing. She, she's a very good weasel if, you know, you know, her fights with Courtney Casey, they kind of seemed very close to, you know, watching them live. But when you when you heard the scorecards, it was completely different. You know, that's a very good skill. That kind of happened in the in the Calderwood fight as well. Um, man, I feel like this is one of those fights where, you know, whoever the uh, underdog is, you take. I just think it's very, very even. I being the stronger, sharper, slightly faster athlete, but Calvillo maybe being a little smarter, a little more uh, technically sound. I'll take Jessica I by split decision. Yeah, this is a tough one, man. And I think you can make a very good case for both ladies. Uh, Jessica I, the sole fact that she's been keeping that spot, man, and just kind of outworking these ladies and kind of outlasting them a little bit. And there's a chance she can do that here. It's just that the reason I'm kind of leaning towards Cynthia Calvillo in the spot the opposite way is because even though she's a little bit low volume on the feet and that's where, you know, she might get boxed up by Jessica, all right, these little moments on the ground, I feel like she can capitalize on big time. You know, where someone like Caitlin Chukagian wasn't able to capitalize, uh, I do think that Cynthia Calvillo will because she's very, very opportunistic, man, and she, she's a finisher. So you got to give her a lot of credit for that. And while it's going to be very close on the feet, I kind of feel like Jessica I's path to victory is mainly going to be to box her up a bit. And don't get me wrong, if Cynthia starts to gas, which we haven't really seen much of a gassing issue. I mean, in fact, it's been the opposite. That fight with Marina Rodriguez, she was getting teed off on for two rounds, and then she was the one who got the 10-8 in the third round. So cardio ain't going to be an issue because I was going to say, if Cynthia you know, is feeling the size a bit and starts to gas out, that's where Jessica can start to mix in takedowns of her own. But the thing is, man, I feel like somewhere along the way, Cynthia is going to be opportunistic and take the back or get on top of Jessica I and start landing some lethal ground and pound. And that's where uh, she can steal some rounds that way. So I think it's going to be a very close fight, some very even rounds. But I slightly feel like the damage landed by Cynthia will kind of edge her on the cars. And she might even be able out of the two to get a finish along the way. So this is a very close fight. I could see it going either way, but I'm going to slightly lean towards Cynthia Calvillo here. And may maybe that's my own bias, Shaq, because I tend to pick against Jessica I all the time. And at Bantamweight, it worked like a charm. At Flyweight, it's been a different story. She's been doing her thing, but we'll see. This is a different challenge here. So I'm going to lean with Calvillo in this spot. Well, Shaq, uh, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 2? My fight to watch is going to be uh, Andre Philly versus Charles Jordan. You know, I want to see if this guy, Charles Jordan, can beat, you know, uh, a top 20 featherweight in the UFC in his third UFC fight. Because if he can, that would be a very big statement. And if Philly wins this fight, man, I feel like Philly kind of deserves you know, maybe his shot at the rankings again, man. I feel like Philly, I think they got him ranked number 17 in the world uh, on Tapology. I, I still feel like Philly has, he's not, is he even 30 yet, man? I think he's still got a somewhat of a decent future ahead of him, man. So, you know, uh, that's the, the fight I'm interested to see. Yeah, Philly's 29 years old. So, yeah, he turns 30. Actually, uh, in two weeks, uh, man, he, he's accomplished some great things. Uh, 
in his career. Uh, for me, my fight to watch, interestingly enough, is actually the main event between Jessica I and Cynthia Calvillo. I'll tell you why, man. When this fight got announced, fans shat all over it. They went as far as saying this is the worst main event in UFC history, which, by the way, is completely not true because I don't know if you all recall uh, Marcourt versus Okami which is actually the worst main event in UFC history. But nah, this is a spot where people are, you know, they're putting a lot of pressure on these ladies. They're saying they don't deserve to be there. And and I feel like that's going to light a fire under both of them. They are going to actually come out here and perform and put on a very exciting fight that's going to make people be like, hey, you know, maybe we shat on this main event a little bit too much, you know, a little bit too soon without watching it first. I, I think they are very incentivized to come out here and put on an entertaining show. So for that reason, the main event is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC on ESPN 10? My fighter to watch is going to be Marvin Vittori. Look, Marvin Vittori has been talking a, been talking a big game. And let's just be honest here. Marvin Vittori is always talking, Daniel. <laughs> you know, he's been, he's been posting memes up with, you know, Roberson and Heinish and who else did he have on there? Um, you know these guys in baby strollers with him pushing with him pushing it so you know he's got a lot to live up to on Saturday night he's got a tough task but if he can get this win man Marvin could possibly be in in those rankings very soon I think he's got the talent and he's a, he's a good character man to have uh in there with some of those top guys like you know I want to see how he uh you know he's kind of he's Kaziga I mean you see you seen his interview this week he's got the sunglasses and you know he's in the uh hotel uh, making threats at Robeson, but you know, he actually said the reason why he went off like that is because uh, he said that uh, he saw Roberson and Roberson like uh, was dropping his bags down like he wanted to do something, and then he was like, uh, well, "Well, I thought you couldn't fight," you know what I'm saying? So he kind of just lost it there. But uh, you know, I think Marvin's the fighter to watch, man. It's kind of the people's main event, and he's got a lot to live up to. So, look for me, my fighter to watch. This is going to be kind of interesting to the fans. Is uh, the newcomer Zaruk Adeshev? Look, not a lot of guys can make their UFC debut at three and one, but I kind of feel like that three and one might be a little uh, misleading. He might not really be that, and. I just kind of want to see what he does here, man. If he's just a hype job or if he deserves to be here this soon into his UFC career, because Tyson Nam is an experienced vet that hits like a truck. And if you're not quite ready for him, he'll not just beat you. He'll knock you the fuck out. So this fight's going to let us know right away where Zaruk Adeshev uh, lies uh, in, in this flyweight division. So, I'm very intrigued by what he brings to the table. Just the fact that he's got that glory background, but then he can grapple too. That, that's what I want to see here. So we're going to find out right away Saturday night if this kid's UFC caliber or not. So for that reason, Zaruk Adeshev is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Shaq and I will be back next week to break down the very exciting Volkov versus Blades card. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one a lot, man. So definitely excited to break that down with you. Uh, everybody enjoy the fights. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.